Hello, and welcome to Season 5 of the LuxCast, where we explore the intersections of Christian faith, culture, and our lives. My name is Megan Rice, Communications Coordinator at Western Theological Seminary. The theme of this season is public theology, as we engage in dialogue about topics that affect both the church and society. Today's guest is Rev. Dr. Joseph Small, author of Flawed Church, Faithful God, A Reformed Ecclesiology for the Real World, and former director of the Presbyterian Church USA Office of Theology and Worship. Dr. Small was on campus to give a lecture on ecclesiology in a divided age. Dr. J. Todd Billing sat down with him to discuss church unity, denominations, and what it means to be the body of Christ. Dr. Small, it is great to have you with us at Western Theological Seminary, and um, I've admired your work over the years. Um, Dr. Small has been the um, director for quite a few years of the Office of Theology and Worship with the Presbyterian Church USA, um, a pastor for 15 years, served at Pittsburgh Seminary, and you have seen a lot in terms of what has been happening to mainline denominations in um, the United States. And you've had a front row seat on, um, as there have been hot button issues discussed. But one thing that I've really, really appreciated about your work, um, especially this recent work, Flawed Church, Faithful God, um, is that you make the point that there's something prior that we need to consider before just diving into certain hot-button issues. There's something even more basic that is often forgotten, and it's the church, the doctrine of the church. What is the church? So I'm wondering, why do you think it's pivotal in an age of conflict to rediscover what the church is in the Reformed tradition? Well, we live in a, in a culture and a society where conflict is... <clears throat> the warp and woof of, of our life together. And for the church to be simply part of that uh, unpleasant conversation mm -hmm. is not very helpful. The three major metaphors, and I use the word technically, metaphor, for the church are body of Christ, people of God, communion of the Holy Spirit. And these are terms that we throw around at one another as if they're just obvious to everyone exactly what that means. Uh -huh. Yes. So, so what does it mean in a, in a place, in a culture, where there are hot-button issues that divide the culture sharply, to be in that culture as the people of God, mm. as the body of Christ, as the communion of the Holy Spirit, and not simply one more institution in the culture that gets caught up in all of the cultural unpleasantness. Hmm. So in light of some of this um, conflict, the solution that some people feel is just, we need to give up on denominations altogether, or just you know leave denominations, just become all non-denominational or independent. Um, that way we avoid this kind of conflict that we see in our culture. Um, how, what does that raise for you in terms of the doctrine of the church? Well, <clears throat> denominations, if you, if you think of denomination as congregations and their pastors uh, coming together to share some form of common life, 
then denominations are inevitable. Okay. This is what happens. Large non-denominational churches band with other large non-denominational churches. So you get Willow Creek Association and, and Saddleback churches and so on. So there's something about the faith that just impels us into relationships with one another. Now, what happens is that, especially in American culture, denominations become institutionalized. They become businesses mm -hmm. that sell goods and services to their member congregations. Uh, they become uh, inst political institutions where significant issues of faith and morals are decided by voting. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, voting divides a question into two sides, as if any question that's worth asking has only two sides. Mm -hmm. It divides into two sides, and then people talk for a little bit and vote aye or nay, up or down, in or out, and so the very method we, choose, we have chosen to resolve disputes guarantees that the disputes will continue because there are winners and there are losers of every single vote that's ever taken. Hmm. So when denominations become business and political institutions, rather than trying to figure out what it means to be God's people, to be Christ's body, in this conflicted In this conflicted context. Con yes, exactly. Yeah. So if that's the case, some people may think, well, um, I'm in a certain denomination, like a Presbyterian denomination, and I found that they have, there are churches in it that have pretty different theology than me in some ways. And then there's these churches over here that are part of a different denomination or no denomination that I have more in common with. We're doing similar things in the community. We have some similar worship styles and things like that. Um, why denominations or, you know, how does that, why should, is it worth the work to try to figure out how to stay in a denomination with someone when you have differences on theology or on moral issues? Well, one of the issues that uh, Paul struggled with is you have, on the one hand, uh, people who are part of this new Christian community who come from a Jewish background, mm -hmm. and people who are part of the community who come from a Gentile background. And there were obvious conflicts there, and I'm sure that Jewish Christians had more in common with their fellow Jewish Christians oh, yeah. than Gentile Christians and, and so on. And yet everything that Paul does in discussing this talks about how Jews and Christians, or Jews and Gentiles, now come together as one new body, one new people mm -hmm. of God. So if that's scripture, yeah. And we say that scripture is what's so important to us as a, as a guide and, and so on, then for heaven's sake, uh, why would we say, well, that was then, that mm -hmm. was Paul trying to do what he did, but we are gonna just seek out like-minded people so that we can all agree with one another. Yeah, so to unpack that even more, um, 
they were disputes about even what was right practice yes. and what was honoring God. And um, these disputes were real, and Paul doesn't say that the disputes were not real. Exactly. But he also doesn't say, okay, Jews, do your own thing over here, and Gentiles, do your own thing over here. Is that a way of yes, getting I, at what you're I saying? Think, I, think, I think it is. Um, what, what has happened to us, inevitably, I suppose, in a way, it's what we have to struggle against, is that we're not just Christians, we're American Christians. Mm -hmm. Hmm? And America was, uh, in a way, this great religious experiment where people came from all over Europe, initially, different places, from different ecclesial backgrounds, and all of a sudden, it wasn't the Swiss Reformed here and the Lutherans there and the Anglicans here. They were all glommed together. And so uh, this set up, initially, a, a, a kind of competition. You know, who, is, who is going to uh, emerge as, as uh, the most important uh, denomination, which is, a, a, again, an American invention, the, the term denomination, hmm. Hmm. Uh, which, which is going to be in, in a community, in a town, if they're an Anglican church, a Lutheran church, a Presbyterian church, which one is going to be the, the, the top one? So we, we set up this notion that there is within the Christian community a kind of competition that has to do with what we believe and how we, how we live. Mm -hmm. So that now carries over into denominations splitting on the basis of, well, this part of the denomination believes this and wants to live this way, and this part of the denomination believes something a little bit different and wants to live this way, so let's just make two denominations. It's the old joke, Presbyterians used to just number their churches by, by number. First Presbyterian, second Presbyterian, mm -hmm. third Presbyterian. Mm -hmm. So the, the question is, why did the first Presbyterian church, why did a second Presbyterian church come along? Well, the optimist said, it's because the town was growing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. needed more mm -hmm. uh, churches. And the pessimists say, there was a dispute in first Presbyterian church, uh -huh. so there had to be a second Presbyterian uh -huh. church. Had to be another market option, in a sense. Yeah. So what would you say to a board of elders that is just weary of the ongoing debates that they hear in their denomination. They're just, you know, they haven't been able to be resolved quickly. And I think they would appreciate what you're saying in terms of we don't want to mirror in the church some of the war and polarity in our culture. But, you know, some elders of congregations are wondering, we just can't, we just can't agree on what we need to agree on. And so we just need to find some different, different like-minded people or in another denomination or just become um, non-denominational. Well, <laughs> I mean, one answer to that, it seems to me, is life would be really boring if we were only with people who agreed with us. Mm -hmm. huh? So mm -hmm. just on a very human level, uh, if we could get away from looking at uh, disagreements 
as something that needed to be settled as quickly as possible by a vote in the General Assembly or gen General Synod in the mm -hmm. Reformed Church, uh, if we could get away from that and to say, yes, there are hard, difficult questions that we face, and there are real disagreements in the church, but we're called to be one people, one body, one communion, and so the faith itself impels us to say, we, we don't give up on one another. We don't dismiss the other. Uh, we, we remain who we are. The, the analogy of the family is, is really kind of good. You don't get to choose your family. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. just there. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes families split up, but more often families find ways. We're just going to have Thanksgiving dinner together and we won't talk about politics. Mm -hmm. Find ways to, to navigate that. Find other areas of common ground. And yes. Find yeah. ways to, yeah. I didn't grow up in the church. So when I began theological studies in seminary, I was just going to be there for a year before I went to law school. But anyway, <laughs> I, 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 was there, I was there to study something, st stuff that interested me. And it was a time at, at Pittsburgh Seminary when there had recently been a merger between the Presbyterian Church USA and the United Presbyterian Church of North America. Mm -hmm. And they each had a seminary in Pittsburgh, and so the two seminaries merged. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got there, uh, the merger was four or five years in the past, but it was still identifiable. These students were UP students, mm -hmm. these students were Presbyterian students, and yeah. some were more conservative and some were more liberal, and they, they argued with one mm -hmm. another constantly. Mm -hmm. Now, I was an outsider, and to me, I looked at the arguments they were having, and it seemed to me that they had more in common with each other than I had in common with them. Mm -hmm. Especially they coming were, as a non-Christian and exactly, then a Christian. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that we need to think about is that there's a world outside of the church that looks at us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if what the world sees is simply a mirror image of itself, then why in the world should get up on Sunday morning and abandon the New York Times and uh, mm -hmm. a, a mimosa that would be charming to drink. Why should they give that up and go someplace that, in addition, this seems to be an admission charge? Mm -hmm. why, why would people bother with that if it's only a mirror image of, of what they already experience in every other aspect of their lives? The ongoing conflict and yes. the... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Polarity, yeah, yeah. So what I hear you saying is that there's implications for our witness to the world in this. I mean, which is interesting because sometimes when churches want to leave denominations, they feel like, oh, we'll have, you know, we don't have to give money to the denomination anymore or to people we don't necessarily trust. Um, so we'll have all of our money, more money for outreach and that sort of thing. But you're saying that this hard work of staying together actually has implications for witness. Is that right? Yes, it, it, it surely does. And as a Presbyterian, 
there are four times in the 20th century when the Presbyterian Church divided. Group broke away to form the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Then a group broke away to form the Presbyterian Church in America. Then a group broke away to form the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And then another group broke away to form the the ecumenical, uh, not ecumenical, the, the evangelical eco. covenant order of Presbyterians. Evangelical covenant right. order. So each of those churches in breaking away thought now we can be a pure church. Mm-hmm where we are of one mind. And not distracted the by these yes. conflicts. Except they are distracted by now their own conflicts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's built into the kind of American Christian DNA. Hmm. So there are parties, uh, interest groups within each of those churches. Each of those more conservative denominations. Yes. And yeah. unfortunately, each of the breakaway denominations has chosen to continue settling significant issues of faith and morals by voting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Divide the house, yeah. vote which, up or down. Which, of course, guarantees that in this denomination that wanted to be pure and of one mind, they're winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And none of those churches uh, is growing. Presbyterian church that was left behind is not growing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, There are no churches in America that are growing. So the notion of witness uh, to Americans and American culture is a significant issue. Hmm. My final question is just about why our theology of the church matters. It's not unusual to find people say, you know, I care about the gospel and I care about Jesus, but um, the church is a mess and I don't want anything to do with the church. Or you have people who are in the church, but um, boy, I don't want to sit through another boring meeting and with these people who I don't agree with and don't necessarily like all that much, you know? <laughs> um, like, why can't it just be about Jesus and and, and not the church, too. Well, because uh, Jesus not only gathered about himself 12 disciples uh, who apparently didn't always agree with one another, and mm-hmm. there were petty jealousies and so on that went on within that group, but uh, it's clear from the Gospels that there were others who followed him, not just those 12, mm-hmm. including a number of women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a a larger circle of close followers and then the crowds that came along. Mm -hmm. Sometimes gets translated the multitudes and so on, but it's it's crowds, it's it's a bunch of rabble rousers who are are following around. And there is is something about the gospel that impels toward the gathering together of people, not just individuals who love Jesus Mm -hmm. and read their Bibles, Mm but gathering together groups of people who love Jesus mm-hmm. and read their Bibles. Now, thinking theologically about the church is something that <clears throat> has become crucial relatively recently hmm. because the church used to be something you just took for granted. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The church is there. Mm-hmm. 
And for a long time, Presbyterians tended to buy Presbyterian hymnals and mm -hmm. buy Presbyterian Sunday school material mm -hmm. and breed more Presbyterians, and, mm -hmm. and that's the, the way it went, and you never had to think much about, uh, about the church. But now, in these difficult times, when the church begins to fragment, mm -hmm. then it becomes imperative to say, well, who is this church? Mm -hmm. What is this church? Yeah, yeah. How is this church? Where is this church? Hmm. That's ecclesiology. That's trying to think through theologically the nature of Christian community. That is just a really important message for us um, today and from the um, Word of God that speaks to us deeply. So. Thank you so much, Dr. Small, for our conversation and for being here at Western Seminary. Well, thank you, Todd. It's been a pleasure.